Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Tell me for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. It's a party. Welcome back to 11 Personnel, where for the first time, we have a Kentucky football game to talk about, where this Saturday, the Toledo Rockets are coming to Kroger Field to take on your University of Kentucky Wildcats. The juices are flowing, Mr. Rouse. The juices are flowing. I am Nick Rouse. That's my partner in crime. Adam Luckett here on 11 Personnel. And uh, to say that uh, we're jacked up for Kentucky's we'll be first an football game. Yes, very much so. I did r- realize, ooh, you need to put the m- mic- microphone away from your mouth when you start screaming, Kentucky, why? <laughs> Which I feel like being- Did you learn that in podcast school? Yes, yes. It's actually uh, one of the main classes you take now at the University of Kentucky is podcasting class. Everybody has their own podcast. It's pretty great. Um... <laughs> All joking aside, we are excited. We are pumped because it's game week. And instead of just all kinds of conjecture, we actually have stuff to talk about. Like, look it. We have a football game to talk about. We have a depth chart, too. We have a depth chart. That's and we have a transfer. A, a tra- transfer? And we have two week zero games uh-huh. that we just congested. And laughed about. Digested. Digested, congested. Yeah, congested, you, you need to take some Sudafed. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know. See, that's just my Oklahoma roots coming out. <laughs> well, we're gonna let them all hang out. Um, let's first start with a little bit of Kentucky flavor. We'll sprinkle in a little week zero because I want to just make fun of Felipe Frank. Yeah, we gotta talk about Felipe. Actually, screw it. Let's start it. I do this. You know what he does? Those interceptions at in crunch time. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> that's what he does best. Did you see his interview after the game? See, that's the one part that I actually haven't seen, and I feel like it's more embarrassing than the I do this. Long story short, he came out and was like, I want to apologize to Gator Nation because I told everybody we were going to score 50 points per game this year, and that didn't happen tonight, so I promise everybody that it will happen going forward. Like, buddy, pal, what are you – dude. He gave he, the Tebow He was trying to do speech. the Tebow, and, like, it's not even, it's not he, even funny. It's almost like he watched uh, Tim Tebow's Florida YouTube highlights all summer. <laughs> and saw all the going crazy on the sideline, uh, apologizing in the press conference after a bad game. So he thought, "Hey, I thought I, I thought I'll try that out." And it almost uh, sank what was a great defensive for- performance by Ty Grantham's defense for the most part of the night. Well, and that's what uh, I mean. Dan Mullen is his coach, after all. So like, you couldn't blame him for it. But at the same time, like, 
I, I, we were watching a lot of you that game. You can't play quarterback like that at, unless you're just the cream of the crop. No, and he's not. He's not at all. Felipe Franks will be the, the undoing of that team. Luckily, Miami's offensive line is so bad. Like, just absolutely horrific. That, well, especially like, at tackle. And Florida's got two really good pass rushers. Yeah, Jonathan Gernard. Louisville could and Jabari Zaniga, too, who's been, been there forever. Yeah, so, uh, I, oh, man. For, it, it worked out perfectly because if you were for – if you had the Canes, they covered. But Florida still won, so they're going to be top ten team when they come to mm-hmm. the Krog here in a couple weeks. And the under hit like we talked about last week, Mr. Roush. It was pretty close, though. It's dangerously close. A win's a win. Yeah, a win is a win. I uh, I think Jaron Williams is going to end up being good, though. He looked good. He's got to do better about getting rid of the football. Yeah, and just catching the snap. Yeah, that would help, too. <laughs> like, very, very basic stuff. But I, I, I think he's going to end up being a pretty good quarterback at Miami. Yeah, I mean, you saw why he was – as highly touted as he was, just with a couple throws, yeah, and that, that pocket presence. He ste- he stepped up a few times in the pocket, showed some good pocket mobility, made some throws down the field. Now vertically, we didn't really see him take many shots deep. It was all kind of twenty yards. Yeah, in. I mean, it's Bridges wise against like C.J. Henderson and those right. guys. Yes, but still, I think, especially considering that offensive line, it's wise. I think that they went with him instead of Tathan, who's going to try to just run it. I mean, in now he's a tight end, Tathan. Really rolls off the tongue. Slot receiver Tathan. Uh, tight end. He's, 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 <laughs> he's the big why they have standing out there. But uh, it was good to see some football. I was disappointed that I didn't get more highlights in the Sports Center package for Hawaii and uh, Arizona. Like, dude, you got they, they were just showing the final drive. It's like this game had six touchdowns and six turnovers by one team. He didn't punt until the final minute. Sure. What, what's, team what's, that won. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> team that won. That's ridiculous. Um, so I, I, I wish they would have shown us a little bit more juice because that was that was a late night of Pac-12 after dark. Yes, it was a good night of Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin. Uh, he's probably not going to make it to the end of the season. God. That was a pretty awful loss, all things considered. And, and to believe that, like – him and Herm Edwards were hired in the same year. Both expected Herm, like, yeah, change of fate, mm-hmm. change of fate. But you know that's college football. That's why we love it. That's why we love it. All right, to UK football, we have a depth chart. We do. Yes, we have a depth chart. How, how surprised were you about the lack of oars? Uh, stunned. I think is probably the best word. I'm pretty to surprised too, because. That's like Stoops' favorite thing. He loves oars. Mm-hmm. Especially at like receiver. I thought they would just throw him in there behind the starters. Mm-hmm. At corner, I thought we'd see or at every position. And then even – Especially for the twos. Pascal, and because Pascal was slowed down, I thought we might see one there which with him and Wright as an oar. Nope, not at all. And I, I thought we might see Wright and Jared Casey as an oar at the two at Sam because I think they want to save Jared Casey's red shirt. But – they're pretty cut and dry this year, and they didn't get into depth chart wars like a few other schools did. I think Stoops was just kind of wanting to, like, he's just getting to the point where he's sick of it. So he's just like, I'll give him something because when I asked him specifically about the nickel position, we've talked mm-hmm. at great length about, and what the kind of like, why is the strong in the nickel so similar, and like, why would Agent be more of a nickel than Griffin? He's like, well, actually, Jordan's probably better at nickel, so we're going to see. But essentially, 
depending on what I call, the strong safety becomes the nickel. Right. So, like – They'll both be out there. Yeah, and mm-hmm. exactly. So, I think Stoops has reached a point in his career, especially when you're going up against Toledo. I know it would be one thing if he was going up against somebody he didn't like, like Bobby Petrino, you know, and just really wanted to mess with him. But the depth chart wars, even though I was excited to see some oars and really overanalyze it, we didn't get it like we did at some other places, which – I'm sure you're probably more well aware of who was the craziest in the depth chart wars. Oklahoma released their depth chart. They play Houston on Sunday. They had the eye emoji <laughs> in their little game notes that they give the media before the weekly uh, press conference. Classic. So Houston, I guess, had their con- con- press conference three years later, and Dana Hogerson said, we always give out a depth chart, but if they ain't giving one out, I ain't giving one out. Oh, no. I so, I mean, and then you've got – Jeremy Pruitt put an oar at about every position. Jeremy Pruitt. So too. if you were in he, the he, if you're a member of the Knoxville Metro population, you may or may not be starting for Tennessee on he, Saturday. He is the biggest fan of like how can I try to mess with the media? It is it drives me nuts. It's the most Nick Saban thing about him. Mm-hmm. Not like the recruiting or anything else. That's the most Nick Saban thing about him. Um, I also saw where one person. I forget who it was, but they weren't releasing a depth chart until the teams exchanged it on like that was Wednesday. Scott Satterfield. Scott's Tots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we really need to know just who is on this mysterious depth chart. It's There's so many players to choose from, so many talented players to choose from. Give me a freaking break, Scott's Tots. Uh, it's the conspiracy theories of college football. That <sighs> drives me nuts. Um, but anyway, back to Kentucky's depth chart. Uh, aside from the oars. Were there any surprise names, surprise players? That- a lot of freshmen. Todd Dotson, backup free safety. That's that's last be time the we saw one. him. We saw him at corner. Dem- <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even playing the same position. We even heard this guy's name. Right. DeAndre Square said it was Dotson who had a big hit in scrimmage, but I'm pretty sure he got it confused with Mo Douglas. So like, yeah, and it was him over Mo Douglas, which was a surprise. Yeah. And then a guy I really liked and talked about, Demarcus Harris. Mm-hmm. He's in that spot that Isaiah Epps would be in, right there at Z, backing up Bryce Oliver. Yeah, he he, I think just slightly beat out Tay Tay Crooms, who had a lot of the, you know, word out of camp was that Tay Tay was really making some plays. But I think, especially at a position where speed is a priority, they prioritized the guy who can play faster because he knows the offense better. Right, and I think Demarcus Harris right now is a more well-rounded receiver. Because I think he has more of a concept of the route tree, right, whereas Croons right. was just slants, bubbles, deep deep balls at Butler. Yeah. So I think he's learning kind of how to play the position. Where Demarcus Harris was a guy that they used. That when you watch this highlight tape, he's running six. He's catching balls on six, seven, eight different routes. So I think he he was just a guy that was really polished. All state in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, put up monster numbers Crazy there at Vero Beach. So. He's a guy that, you know, you could see kind of playing sparingly like Josh Ali or Isaiah Epps did their freshman year where they're not they're, – he's not starting, but it won't – you look up at the end of the season, he's playing some snaps there in November, maybe getting a couple catches. Right. And then maybe he's a guy that can maybe make up jump in the like well, bowl prep. And especially, I mean, all it depends on how Isaiah Epps rehabs from his injury and just how productive he is once he does uh, mm-hmm. eventually return. And then – Allen Daly, 6'3 slot receiver, beats out Cleavon Thomas. As I've talked about that, it's going to be important to establish a second slot receiver opposite of Lim Bowden. I know, and it's crazy that they go with Daly as the mm-hmm. option. Um, I'm guessing it's just 
in those kind of possession type routes, they want that big target. Yeah, just that's uh, just kind of a yeah. bailout for the quarterback. So, and I mean, and that's to piggyback off of the amount of twelve personnel they're going to use this year with two tight ends. They just like giving Terry big targets. Well, I mean, in those nickel guys, a lot of them are smaller, so you're going to big body some of those inside corners yeah. on option routes and stuff like that, where you can really just kind of use your frame, use your size, maybe mm-hmm. just block out and create space, create a lane for your quarterback to deliver the football. Keaton Upshaw, like we thought, would be up, be up yeah, there. Yeah. Offensive line. It's the offensive line, too, they, they did just go cut and dry five and five. Instead yeah. of putting oars with, mm-hmm. like, Quentin uh, Wilson, who's probably going to be playing some guard this year and moving right. around. So, they didn't really get tricky with that and, at all. And it clarified to me they listed Watkins as a primary backup at both tackle spots. We've heard Eddie Grand talk about the ninth guy. I'm pretty sure that's Kenneth Horsey now mm-hmm. because I think – the six is Mason Wolf. The seven is Nasir Watkins. Eight, Quentin Wilson. And then he's talked about, we got eight, but I would like to get nine. Mm-hmm. I think that's Kenneth Horsey. That's a guy they're working with. Six, three, three, twenty-one. Redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman got, got from Florida. A little ways to go. But uh, aside from, I mean, the, I think the most glaring news was Phil Hoskins wasn't there. Um, we found out he's been suspended for two games, which it's, it won't hurt Kentucky at all, but you kind of feel bad for him because he's from Toledo. He'd be playing his hometown team. And it's week. a guy we thought could have a big senior season, and it kind of gets you off to a bad rhythm. Yeah, out the yeah. Gate. exactly. And these are games you could work through some stuff. Now, like, how productive is that dude going to be versus Florida? Right. Well, his first three games are going to be Florida at Mississippi State at South Carolina. That's that's tough to get that's into. That's a rough yeah. you know mix to get thrown into right off the bat. So. He might be a guy that might take it might take him a little bit, and we might be halfway through the season before we really kind of notice him out there making right. plays or being, uh, you know, a real contributor in the rotation. Another player who wasn't on there, Xavier Peters, who just still waiting. It's three days till kickoff. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Now Stoops. See if we had cool graphics, we could just insert the Jeopardy music right there. Na, 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 na. <laughs> but uh, the way that Stoops put it, I think that it took them a lot longer to get his request in. And yeah, Peter, from- Peter's made it sound like that Florida State still had to do some work when we talked to him at media day. So it's it's taken longer than anybody would like to see. But until then, Stoops is pumping any brakes on any expectations on him, even though I think he could come in and contribute right away. He was like, I don't know if he'd be ready to play or not. It's like – BS. And the, I mean, <laughs> you know, if he does get cleared, I do think there is some we need to hit the brakes a little bit because he is going to be a redshirt freshman. His first, you know, he played sparingly at Florida State. Well, so State is Josh Pascal. Yeah, but Pascal. Or sorry, redshirt sophomore. Yeah, Pascal played a lot as a freshman though. Yeah. And then played a little bit last year. I think what they would do. But it's like it's Peters though. He's in a different scheme and all. I mean, it's just different. I think what they would use him in is in their third down magic package. Right. He'd just be a, go go get mm-hmm, the quarterback. I agree. Um, and and that's still a. Great utility, you know, to, a great guy to have in that spot. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on the depth chart because I'd like to preview the Toledo game. Before we get to that, I just want to remind all of our listeners here that Bourbon and Beyond, it's coming back, folks, and it's better than ever. The world's largest bourbon festival has expanded to three days from September to 20th to the 22nd. You can hear John Fogarty, Robert Plant, Holland Oates, ZZ Top, the Foo Fighters, all of the best of the best musical acts in Louisville, Kentucky at the Highland Festival Grounds. And the best news is is that not only will you get to see some of your favorites like Nathaniel Ratliff and Zach Brown, like 
you won't have to worry about missing a game because Kentucky is going to be smashing Mississippi State in the face down in Starkville. So watch the game, head over there, or or double dip, do both. Either way, you don't have to worry about missing a home game because of Bourbon and Beyond. Do the smart thing. Go to bourbonandbeyond.com to purchase your tickets today, or you can just keep keep your ears open because next week we're going to tell you how you can win a pair of passes for the weekend to go see that. Stay dialed in with us. Yes, please do, and we'll see you at Bourbon and Beyond. Uh, now, oh, actually, we don't need to talk about. We need to talk about this Kelvin Joseph character first. Kind of important. Uh, Boss Man Fat, I believe, is his real name. Uh, yes. Boss Fat Man or Boss, boss Man Fat? Boss Man Fat. There you go. Uh, and I think it's, you know, Du Bois beforehand. There's like four letters beforehand. But yes. Oh, you know, Du Vibe. Some of that Cajun You slime. know, Du Vibe, Boss Man Fat. Yes. I, I just, A, um, I, of course, Kentucky is starting to get Louisiana guys. We just put a freaking bourbon in Toulouse at Kroger Field. That's the best recruiting Not a coincidence. you can have. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Kelvin Joseph, who it, it was one of those things where we kind of heard like Matt T's flipping somebody. and You, you got uh, a tweet from him saying he was considering Kentucky. And then in the matter of like 24 hours, it goes from like, oh, wait, he's shouting at UK on Twitter? Oh, wait, he's on campus? Oh, he's in class. He's enrolled already? Like just a lot of uh? – I mean, it leaked out, what, 8 o'clock last night and by – Eleven o'clock. He Justin, was committed. Justin Rowland broke the news. Yeah, it was it was fast developing, and unfortunately, he's not going to be able to factor in this year. He would have been greatly needed there in that secondary. He was a, been a guy they could really use, but sit one, play three, and this guy Nick Roush is not a guy they get on the recruiting trail very often. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, very often is in since twenty four seven started doing composite rankings in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Highest, fourth highest ranked UK guy ever. Yeah, he's up there. Antonio Hall, Micah Johnson, Justin Rogers. Kelvin Joseph, yeah. Kelvin a Joseph. guy who, he's from Baton Rouge, so he, he commits to his hometown's team. He reopens his recruitment when after Clemson they, gets in. And after they lost to Troy. Ooh, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Lose to Troy, Clemson gets involved, Alabama's involved. He ends up committing back to them at the All-American Bowl. So that just kind of shows you the caliber of athlete he is. He's committing at the All American Bowl, right? Fifth well, Vito Tisdale is committing this year, I believe. Oh, I think that's the rumor right now. I, actually, I think he did reveal that he's going to do it at the All American Bowl. And you know what? If it's, I guess it would be in non consecutive years, but two out of three years that UK is getting a guy from that game that that not just played in it and like showed up. Like, Matt Elam and Drew Barker were there, but they weren't like the, ooh, we're going to take the time and show these guys committing on the sideline. It's a big deal when you get your, your hat being put on. If they could do that with Tisdale and get Kelvin Joseph, pfft, yeah, good. Big deal. And you, you know what I like about Joseph? I, you're, I'm sure you've uh, looked at his film a little bit more. He has a, He has the, like, I'm going to cover you, and you're not going to be able to breathe. And I'm going to talk about it after the play. Yeah. Like, I, I guess Revis Island is my, you know, 12-year-old best way of identifying with mm-hmm. it. For some, it might be Neon Dion. Uh, and for others, it could be, uh, you know, the Honey Badger. Or uh, what's his name? Jalen Ramsey. Right. That, I think that would be the more the New Day kind of comparison. Yes, yes. And now this is the like – that's if his talent goes to the nth degree. 
Right, if he meets his potential. Yes. Um, but, I mean, he's good enough to play as a true freshman. Here's the thing with LSU and Florida, DBU. When they recruit corners, they recruit guys that can play bump and run. They're going to put them on an island. They're going to say, guard this guy while we put a safety down in the box, while we blitz our linebackers. But you take care, you take care of this guy. This Just is what – Shut him up. And what Kentucky has had, they've had really good corners, but a lot of it, like last year, they were really – it was a lot of it was zone coverage because they used their size, used their length, and really made small windows for quarterbacks. But what Joseph is is kind of that sticky man cover guy that you can just say, hey, go play bump and run, and we'll worry about the rest of the field. Take away their best player. Take away – well, just take away that – just that receiver, that side of the field, so we can can shift – Everything over here, we can instead of having free safety in the middle, we can shade him a little bit to this side, the opposite of the corner. So at his potential, that's what he is. Now, right now, he's a little raw. Coming out of high school, he was kind of a safe, kind of played safety, bounced back in between yeah, corner. Which he was. I thought it was weird that he was a five star at corner and they move him to safety. I guess because they just wanted him in the middle of the. They wanted him to cover kind well, of the entire field. At LSU, I think they were just trying to get him on the field because of that talent. So they were trying him out at corner. They were trying him out at safety. I think they probably threw him in at safety for some like dime type defenses. So they're just trying. They were just trying to get him on the field. But they, he, I mean, he has all the t- all the tools you would ever want out of a corner. He's six one, six two, hundred ninety pounds, long arms, and just can- and is a really fluid athlete. So he's going to be a guy that that can really that can really step up and after Stoops and them get a year with him, he should be a guy that, you know, is a seamless transition to the starting lineup next year. And he's physical. When you watch him, he comes up and makes tackles. He's hard to block at the point of attack. So he's going to be a guy that can factor in uh, to the run game to help him defend the run. So from a tool standpoint, you know, I know Kentucky just had a couple a corner drafted and two that are going to make rosters in the NFL, but – from just a tools and talent standpoint, he's just, they, just, they just don't get a kid like this. He's unlike – I mean, any. I mean, because even like the best UK cornerbacks that I can recall, like Trevard Lindley, it was just because he was a big guy. He didn't have that kind of I can zip him up type feel And Trevard was – he blew out his knee in high school. So a lot of people stopped recruiting him. And mm-hmm. that's why really Kentucky got him. If he doesn't blow out his knee, Trevard Lindley's probably ends up a four-star prospect – Mm-hmm. And is at some school in the other school in the SEC. So I mean, there there comes with you know some baggage, I guess you could say, because you're like, well, why is he transferring? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some LSU's got a corner that's going to be a freshman this year that was probably going to start over Joseph, <sighs> named Derek Stingley, but he's like real deal Holyfield. Yeah. So it's not like he's losing out to some just scrub, but he was going to play and factor in at LSU, and he tried to leave a couple times in the off season, and. Each time LSU was able to bring him back, mm-hmm. kind of like Miami was able to bring Jaron Williams back. Yeah, yeah. But this time he ends up getting getting out, getting away, and Kentucky comes As soon in as he got away, up. Kentucky was like, you're staying, buddy. Right. <laughs> you're going to class tomorrow. Because um, I, I think that has been a problem with transfers in the past is just getting them out. And I mean, especially if you got your dad and your family around there kind of influencing you. Uh, but I, I, I think it, it, we do need to mention, and you brought this to my attention, how Jay Ward plays into this decision right. as well. Jay Ward is a, going to be a factor for LSU this year as a true freshman. The guy from Georgia, Kentucky, had committed, decommitted, then I believe was going to recommit again. Right. He's running 
with the twos. As down a true there. freshman. As a true freshman. He's going to factor in like Joseph did last year. So he's in the mix, and that could potentially open the door for another LSU defensive back transfer. Yes, and it's Manny Netherly? Yes. Yes. So and Six foot three corner. We talked about the size. All year we heard about the size, about Derek Beatty, Lonnie Johnson, Chris Westry, 6'3", 6'3", 6'4". This is Manny Netherly, a six foot three corner that you can stick at that boundary corner spot on the short side of the field and provides the size and the length that Stoops and them want over there mm-hmm. to that makes throwing the ball in those short areas hard because of all because of the ground a big guy can cover over there. So he's a scheme fit mm-hmm. but I mean he's got he's raw. As yeah, a, he as played a receiver till high school. a year ago right. or two years ago. So uh, but nonetheless, just pulling dudes from LSU. Like, hey, you, you tip your – I mean, that's where Michael Smith's kind of mm-hmm. home territory is. That's where he recruited out of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And when you go – back to Joseph, when you go through the recruiting rankings last year, the corners and the safeties ranked above him were all guys that started at big programs last year. So when you recruit a corner or safety of this caliber, you're expecting them to come and contribute right away. Patrick Sertain started for Alabama. Tyson Campbell started for Georgia. Brendan Radley Howell started at safety for Oklahoma. Caden Stearns, who some might think is the best safety in America this year, started for Texas. So when you recruit a kid of this do you, caliber, do you have that list pulled up, by the way? Yeah, I just. Oh, I was about I, to say, if you through. were if you were reading those names off the top of your head, I was going to be like, man, Freddie's just that's some Freddie Maggard type crap right there. Hey, I just had to pull <laughs> up, make sure they're in the top fifty. Once I see the names, then I can kind of put name recognition together. But that's what these are like. This is to put it in like college basketball recruiting terms. These are the guys that high four stars, five star guys that are going to come in and start for you. Are expected yeah. to start for you when you recruit these kind of guys. Now, at a certain position, now offensive linemen obviously project slower. So do quarterbacks, but those secondary players are guys that should be able to play right away. And that that's a guy. Kelvin Joseph is a guy that kind of fits in that bill. And Kentucky's going to have a year to kind of develop and mold him. So. Mm-hmm. He should be a – I think next year he should pencil him in and count on him to have a big season. It would be nice to have him, like, right now, though. It would yeah. be kind of nice. They could, they could use him for sure. <laughs> they, could, they could use him. Um, but you know what the good news is, is I don't think they will have to have him this week because Toledo, the Rockets, who are coming to town this weekend, they lost their three best receivers last year, one of which, cousin of Lonnie Johnson, now with the Cal- Dallas Cowboys, John Vea Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, Deontay Johnson? Deontay, uh, yeah, Deontay Johnson. Yeah. And, and then Cody Thompson. Okay. Deontay Johnson, if y'all look it up, it's Dion, like the singer Dion, who's singing Run Around Suit, D-I-O-N-Y-T-A-E. There's a guy, same exact name spelling on their team this year. S- everything. Uh, how do you have two? Uh, Deontay is not a very popular name, but to have two on the same team, spelled the same weird way, that's just incredible, Toledo. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Where well are you done. finding these guys, Jason Candle? I don't know. Uh, maybe he's – you know what? Everybody just wants to go to the Glass Bowl, you know, which fl- that's yeah. that's a fun fact. That the Glass City. The fact know. that they call it the Glass Bowl is incredible. Florida has two David Reese's. Yeah. Same position. We were having <laughs> – I was having a conversation with Lucky one day. It was like, holy hell, they, David Reese blew out his ACL or his Achilles. Like, they're, gonna, like, they're in trouble. Like, that was the reason Kentucky could run for 300 yards because their middle linebacker's gone. And he's like, you know what? I think that might be the other David Reese that plays middle linebacker. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Two David Reese's spelled the same way, playing the same position. That is – you can't do – like, that's that shouldn't be – that's illegal. Duh. 
Imagine having to cover them. Yeah, they aren't making it easy on us. But uh, so the the quick skinny on Toledo is yes, they did lose all their receivers, but they got their quarterback back, Mitchell Guadani. Guadani. That's how you say it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more consonants in there. Are you right. sure? There's a G in there. Yeah. Just it, ignore the G. Guadani. Okay. Guadani. Mitchell Guadani uh, is their quarterback, and their primary running back is a name that we know pretty well in Bryant Kobach. Bryant Kobach. And really the thing with Toledo is Jason Candle, since he became the offense coordinator here in 2012, Matt Campbell left for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. He's he, doing well. He was promoted. So he's been calling plays at Toledo going on, I believe it's like his eighth or ninth year, whatever the math is. Mm-hmm. In that time – He's produced some really, really good offenses. They've they led the MAC in scoring last year, put up forty points per game. They've led the MAC scoring twice. They've never scored less than thirty-one and a half points per game. So they are a team built on offense. They are spread it out, a, a modern day spread offense where you're going to see RPOs, you're going to see four verticals, you're going to see some of that Oregon run game that Chip Kelly ran, whether it's you know the quick dart up the middle or the zone reads or the midline reads, you're going to see all that. That's what Toledo does. But Run, gun, spread it Yeah, but they like to run the ball. They leaned a little more heavier on the run last year, even with three stud receivers. Cody Thompson, I believe, is the all-time receiving leader at Toledo, and he's with the Chiefs right now, I think. But uh, I don't know if he's going to make the roster, but Deontay Johnson is likely going to make the Steelers Steelers roster. He was really, really good. And he had a big game against Miami last he was, year. He was like the uh, like an all all conference punt returner too. I think. Right. Like I think he he had all of the special teams accolades as well. Right. He, so so they're kind of retooling a little bit, and with that, they get a quarterback back in Mitchell Guadani, who's a dual threat, but he's more of a scrambling dual threat. Yeah, he's not a design run. No, he's a you're not gonna things s- break down. Let you're not going to see them line up and run quarterback power with Guadani. You're yeah. not going to see a lot of QB counters. You're not going to see a lot of that stuff. You're going to see he's a he bounces around. Right. Like, if you watch QB one, he bounces around like scales right. right there, and then he slings the, it. Yes. Except he's much more polished, obviously. But he had he picked up big chunks last year, scrambling. So they're really built to really get you with tempo and to spread you out and to create lanes in the running game is what they're going to do this year. And a big part of that was their center, Bryce Harris. I was going to say, yeah, let's – right now it's like, okay, this sounds like Toledo could mm-hmm. gash him. And then you get down to the trenches. And, and Bryce Harris was first team all Mac. Yeah, he was their captain. He was going to be a guy that was probably going to go to the senior bowl, potentially yep. get drafted. And he's a guy at Media Day Candle talk glowingly about. I mean, he, he went to Media Day. He was mm-hmm. one of their Media yeah. Day reps. And they only take two. Yeah. So it's not like they take three or four like yeah. we do SEC. down in Hoover. Yeah. So that's that's a big, big loss. But yeah, he a, tore his ACL or something out yeah, for the year. Yeah, out for but, the year. I believe yeah. so. Red shirt senior. So that's probably it for him yeah. in college. Yeah. Sucks. But it means that right now Toledo is only returning two starters? I believe it's three up front. I think it's – Right tackle Cameron Bell is a big hog molly, 6'8", 335 pounds. But aside from that, I think they lose everybody else. They, right. they, they've got a – They've uh, had some guys that, like, stepped in and played some last year, but but that was a big loss, losing that the yeah. big guy in the middle. And when you talk about a team that likes to run the ball to free up their quarterback – Which is what they're going to kind of have to do this year more than what Candle's done in the past. And, and here's the thing, like it. You're giving me uh, an inexperienced Toledo offensive line versus a 
defensive line that not only is experienced at Kentucky, but Brad White, if, this is something you've got to keep an eye out for. Is Brad White going to be a Matt House and really get after him? Or is he going to be a DJ Elliott and kind of like, let's just kind of sit back and play our keys? Because in the 3-4 defense, you can do so much to confuse. And, man, the versatility they have on this defensive line, they can throw a lot of stuff at Toledo and really just wreck their offensive line, knowing who to shift and cover, especially if you do any kind of stunts, any twist turns. Now, the ultimate question, though, is, is uh, along with that, you can try to get funky but they've got to be really disciplined in their rush lanes against Guadani. Or else, uh, I think his average came out to about 60 rushing yards a game last year. Mm-hmm. But like you said, chunks. And if they don't stay disciplined, which a lot of guys will try to do, they'll try to play hero ball in their first game. If they don't remember that, hey, I'm a senior, I've got to do my job and not try to do everything. If they don't play hero ball and they can stick to the scheme, they can really wreck Toledo's day getting after the quarterback. Yeah, and just scramble yards last year, Guadani was fourth in the FBS with 367, and he only played six or seven games. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, he, he missed half the year with injury. So, and then Terry Wilson was three, 349th. He was sixth last year, and Virginia's Bryce Perkins led the country at 42. So, if he doesn't get hurt, he probably leads the country in scramble yards. Yeah. So, so that's like a drop back, non-sack carry. So, that's not, he's dangerous. That's with not design runs. And what, what scares you in this game – is with that inexperience in the secondary if those those plays break down. Because Toledo is really inexperienced at wide receiver. They've got three guys back that have played a lot, but one um, missed the season for an injury last year. His name is – I'll come up with Danzel McKinley-Lewis. Desmond Phillips is their most experienced guy, slot receiver, but he hasn't done a lot. And then Bryce Mitchell is their big kind of 6'3", 207, take the top off the defense deep guy and he's been the guy that really hasn't made an impact at all yet very very inexperienced so that that's why putting pressure on the quarterback Mm -hmm. is incredibly important because secondary for as much worries as we have right away as long as they can because what's going to happen is Guadani if they don't keep him contained the, the secondary is just going to be back there covering dudes for like six seconds. First down success rate I think is going to be huge. You don't want this team in second and threes, in second and fives, in third and twos. You want a second and eight. You want third and sevens because that makes them a little bit more one-dimensional. What this team excels at is having that balance. So whether they're going to crease you with a run or they're going to pull it out of the running back's belly and hit a, hit a slot receiver coming across the middle on a slant. Or, or sneaking a tight end up the seam, which is something I think they're going to do more because they've got a tight end, Reggie, Reggie Gilliam, Gilliam, excuse me, yeah. who's, who he's a hoss. He's a hoss. He's a great blocker and he's a great. He factored in on special teams, like you pointed out, and even their backup tight end, Drew Rossi, is a it's a fine looking player. So I think we could see them go something like twelve personnel, and maybe try to catch Kentucky off guard. So the the big key, but I think the the game to the the game start, starts with this. The big key is Kentucky up the middle. Can can they stop those ga- gaping runs up the middle with Kobach? Yeah. You're going to be fine with him bouncing it out to the outside, and your speed should take over. But up the middle, Quentin Bohanna, you got a, you, he's got an advantage, big-time advantage yeah, here. Yeah. Let's let's see what you got, big fella. It's that would have been if, if – what was it? Is Harris the center? If he didn't Bryce get Harris, yeah. It would have been a great matchup. Hurt, that was going to be the – 
matchup of the week. Um, without him, really it just comes down to playing assignment mm-hmm. sound football for those inside linebackers. Because, like, yeah. in the first scrimmage, I think that's what really peed the coaches, defensive coaches off is because they were just making one little mistake, and Kentucky's running backs are much more explosive this year, and they – they made him pay for it. Mm-hmm. And Kobach's going to make them pay if they do make And it's pay. not even just him. That Their other running back, Keith Seymour, is kind of the same style runner. He's a little bit better in the passing game. He's a real threat to factor in as a pass-catching guy. So mm-hmm. look for – when he's out there, number 21, look for screens, look for swing passes to him. And especially with what they're at, that reload they're going through at receiver. So expect him to get a lot of touches. But what Toledo builds their whole thing on and even factors in the defense is they can recruit pretty much better than anybody in the MAC. So they go out and say, let's get as much speed as possible. Top ranked class last yep. year. Let's get as much speed as possible, and we'll just out-athlete people. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when they play some better competition, those advantages are taken away, and then they can they can struggle. But what Candler does a good job at, he – he spreads everything out, and he can kind of adjust on the fly. And he's just—he's a really good play caller. So they're going to have success on offense. It's just, I think the big thing for Kentucky is not giving up those seventy-yard plays, those sixty-yard plays. Yeah. If you have a breakdown, recover. Break down and let, let stuff break down in front of you. Don't—if you're a safety, don't get caught peeping behind. Don't take a bad angle on a deep shot and cover two. Yeah. Just little things like that. I think that's the big thing to work to watch for Kentucky. And, th- and those are. Because the big plays are going to come because of what they have in that front seven. They're going to get some tackle for losses. Cash Daniel's going to blow up two or three runs yeah. to create second and 13. It's not having those gapy mistakes that could let a team like this gain some confidence and hang around a ball game. Yeah, and, and the, the, the mistakes that you pointed out to are all the kind of mistakes that a young secondary makes. And Right. I mean, that's something we're just going to have to buckle up and see what happens. Yeah. And especially you worry about – like Kentucky getting out to a lead in this game, similar to Louisiana in 2015, mm-hmm. Southern Miss in 2016, and kind of letting that foot off the gas, yeah, and then not they, being able to get it back. Well, and that's that's what Mark Stoops kind of opened his um, meeting with the team. He meets with the team every Monday to kind of give a spiel. It's uh for the life. If you watch Hard Knocks, kind of when John Gruden gets everybody together and they start knocking and he's just dropping f bombs everywhere. For the lack of a better analogy, that's kind of – he gives his overall message of the week, and this week he used Southern Miss as a cautionary tale. Like, I don't care how good you look. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. You can't one let one bad play snowball. And with the secondary, this has been my biggest concern the whole time. Because as soon as Devontae Robinson got injured, there was – like I was quick to realize, like, holy crap, all these dudes that they could bring in were all four-star guys. So there's talent there. Mm-hmm. But how you respond mentally whenever you get beat, whenever you – your their timing is going to be off. They don't have game – like Yusuf Corker, he doesn't have the experience in the game speed. You don't know that first play, Corker could read run, his eyes get as big as – And he just wants to rip their head off. Right, and, and he just screams downhill, and then it's an RPO. Pop, play pop. action. Yeah, it yeah. could just be a tight end down the seam, and then, oh, 50-yard gain, they're in the red zone. Holy crap, what just happened? And, and – and it's something we mentioned on the podcast, football podcast, which please, I hope you're enjoying this one because I royally screwed up the other one. It's preseason for us too. Thanks thanks for listening. But <laughs> but there are going to be – like there's going to be some moments as fans where we're just 
Like some people are going to be like, how could they look? So it's, there's going to be some sloppy plays, and they're, they're going to play it close. That's every game. And you know what? The people who thought that the Miami-Florida game was sloppy and a bad example of football, that's, that's week one. Mm-hmm. And, First two weeks every year. And you know what? Everybody that wants Kentucky to play some big, Billy Badass Power 5 team, it's sloppy football. And I, I would rather – I mean, you know, risk-reward, I guess you've got more to lose uh, against a MAC team. But it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be closer than you'd like. That's why I'm staying far, far and away from the spread. But they're going to make some mistakes. I want to see the secondary be able to respond to them. The good thing is I know Kentucky's offense will. And and the one thing that Toledo's defense does well is give let other teams score points. Right. I talked about speed, overwhelming your opponent with speed. Toledo tries to do that same thing on defense. They run this kind of hybrid 4-2-5 with pretty much an underside safety as your Sam linebacker, who in there they bring a lot of blitzes. Is that blue guy? Yeah. Yeah. Day Durallo blue. Yeah, I saw. I, I thought it was just Durello, but there's I think an, there's an extra prefix in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll just call him DD Blue for the time being. Yes, yes. But six foot two fifteen, he's kind of just floating guy. Yeah, he's yeah. just floating around and kind of does whatever he wants. Kind of the monster position. That's what they used to call it. Yeah. But they, they're kind of built on speed and overwhelming your opponent. Well, they played three Power 5 slash BYU teams since Candle has taken over. Mm-hmm. And Brian George, who's our defensive coordinator. In those games, they're giving up an average of 52 points. <laughs> and these aren't against – they're not playing Oklahoma. They're not playing Alabama. They're not playing Washington State. They're not playing, you know, the Powers offensive football. BYU. BYU, who has struggled – under Kalani Sataki since he took over scoring. No, not Bronco Mendenhall, yeah. BYU. Yeah. They won in a shootout. I believe it's like 55 to 53 at, in, <laughs> in Provo. Now, this is yeah. when Toledo had like Kareem Hunt, Logan Woodside. Yeah, they were freaking They were really loaded. good on offense. Yeah. And then the next year, they they get blown out by Miami. A quarterback by the name of Malik Rozier hung up 50 burgers on them. Malik Rozier hung up two 50 burgers against this right. group. Just right. – that guy. Right. The by Felicia guy. The Miami offense last year that we saw that struggled mightily all season put up 49 points against Toledo. They, there was a fun stat I heard where they, had, they were ranked 130th in the FBS in passing plays over two yards down the field. And they scored 50 points against Toledo. Right. They don't play defense. And Kentucky up front – should. They're trying to – Toledo, they're coming out here. They want to play in a shootout, so they're coming out. We're going to take chances. We're going to force turnovers. William Bowden should have at least so, one enormous touchdown. So, here's what's right? going hap- to happen in this game. There's going to be plays where A.J. Rose gets stuffed on an inside zone. Yeah. It might happen a couple plays in a row. It might happen in an entire series. They just, like, load the box and say, we're getting A series it. two or later, Kentucky will adjust. Maybe that center holds his block a little bit longer before coming off on second level. Maybe A.J. Rose makes a side adjustment and cuts it back a little bit. 75-yard touchdown to the crib. Yeah. This is the kind of defense you're playing. They're going to take a risk. You're going to have to adjust on the fly. But if you're patient and you stick to to your script of the game, what you think you can do well against them, you are. there's going to be opportunities for big plays in this game. Mm-hmm. I think you could 
potentially see, like you just said, Bowden with a big touchdown. Just letting it rip. You uh, can see A.J. Rose. I think you could see Terry pull it. I think you're going to see an upshot big play too, especially because he's from not far from Toledo. He's mm-hmm. from Lima. Um, you can see Ali get behind the defense. It's his first game. They're going to want to get him. But, I mean, a lot, especially a lot of the pass catchers, they want to try to get these guys in a rhythm. As, mm-hmm. as Eddie Grand, yeah, I – he did it on video, and you can't illustrate it in words, and I can't really illustrate it here, but he was using his hand to do wavelengths, and he was like, basically, you don't want your guys going from your eyes to your waist. You want it to have the up and downs be a lot more narrow, and to do that, you've got to get these guys in a rhythm, and I think they're going to be rotating a lot of dudes. It's going to be a hot day. It's a noon kickoff. They're going to be playing a lot of receivers, a lot of time, running a lot of guys in, Cavassier. I'm, a, I'm, I'm thinking – I'm thinking Smoke will get five carries or so. Rodriguez will probably get a few more just because of short yardage situations. Um, but they're going to be rolling. I think a the lot number they want for Rose is probably between 15 and 18. And then it's filling in the, because I don't think he's going to be able to handle that workload that Benny handled. And, and, that, and then that makes me wonder like, is it eight for Smoke? See, that's what seven, I. You know, like, like I, I, I was thinking it'd be somewhere between seven and 10 for Smoke, but. Eddie Grant is a huge hot hand guy. He is. He is just which, like that's, I am too. Old school football. If he's if he's eating, you got to feed that dude. But we don't know, and that's something we don't know yet. We don't yeah. know the workload. If we'll AJ know. Camp. Well, now, we know. When you're talking about individuals for Toledo's defense, there's a couple guys we need to mention. We already mentioned one that Dayderalo Blue, who they kind of move all over the place, and he's big in their their blitz packages. When they're bringing pressure, he's usually kind of involved. But and, he's their only inside middle um, inside yeah. backer, and he's going to be a guy that you see lined up on tight ends that cover AJ Rose, Cavasse Smoke out on pass routes. Right. Jamal Hines was a freshman All American last year at defensive end. He's kind of like their Jack linebacker. Stands up, he's a big gets guy. position. Yeah. yeah, he he didn't have. I, I was looking at his numbers, and I was like, wait, this guy's supposed to be he a was, stud, but he was more of a run stuffer last year than pass rusher. Right, right, right. But he made a lot of plays, and he was really good for them as a true freshman. They've only got two defensive linemen back, too, right? The, along with Hans. The strength of their team is the secondary. Justin Clark, Khalil Robinson have started for a long time. Samuel Womack played a lot at, at corner. They had, they have no seniors though. Did you find that bizarre? Yeah, in the secondary they don't. They, yeah, I mean, they those return, guys have played a lot. They return eight of ten because if it's a four-two-five and yeah. five DBs, that's but, yeah. a, that's probably a big reason why they struggled last year. I mean, they were about as bad as you could get mm-hmm. on defense last year, and gave up a ton of points to a lot of teams, and didn't force as many turnovers as they're kind of designed to do. But Tyson Anderson, who was voted team captain, it's supposed to be really good safety, and then Khalil Robinson makes a lot of tackles, and that they're playing like you said, they're playing five defensive backs at all times. Um, so, that's the strength of the team. So, I think it's going to be a good challenge for some of Kentucky's receivers. They are going to struggle to match up with Bolden. But can Bryce Oliver, can Josh Ali, can Ahmad Wagner when he's in the game, mm-hmm. can they create some separation and make some plays? That's the that's a big thing I'm looking out for in this game. Uh, and, and it's I'm glad they're getting – they're opening with this test at receiver. Like, because they need it. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be thrown in the gauntlet against Florida, so you might as well start now. And Eastern Michigan's got even a, a better secondary than what Toledo has. So they're playing two opponents in a row that aren't slouches in the secondary. They're going to get real challenges these these first couple weeks against four two five type defenses. Oh, man. I'd, complete sidebar. Shoot. Stanford's motto this year is next starts now. And the first teams they play 
N-O-W, Northwestern, Oregon, Washington. <laughs> this is their first home <laughs> game. Uh, Reddit College Football, great account. If you aren't following that, at Reddit CFB, you're absolutely crazy. Uh, I, I'm, I hate to detra- – because I, I do think Kentucky's offense is going to score a ton of points. I do I, I, I don't doubt that for a second. Um, but I, I'm not going to provide any more knowledge on their defense. What I will say is that their special teams are fascinating to me on paper. First off, they've got a new kicker. Breaking a new kicker is always they've always got a, an adventure. Yeah, and they've got an oar in there too, an oar at kicker. You don't have oars at kickers. Um, so they're breaking a new kicker. Uh, but last year they led the they tied for first in the nation with seven block kicks, and four of them were by that tight end guy you were talking about earlier, right? Whose name uh, escapes me. Off Reggie phone, Gilliam. Yes, Gilliam. Which that's just impressive. And so they're going to be aggressive on it. Uh, you got to watch that. But you and I would also like to, if they're that aggressive on like punts or kicks. Aussie, just take off. Right. Just take off, Aussie. Well, run for that first down. If they're worried about that block, you're going to see a lot of that kind of that, – that scramble punt drill where he kind of runs out and punts it to the side. I love of the, that. The, just the take up protection. some time. Yeah. And another thing they did last year – now, Deontay Johnson's gone, but he returned a punt and a kickoff. And then Cody Thompson, another receiver, also returned a punt for a touchdown. So they had three return scores. Plus, on top of all those blocks. So, they, special teams is a big deal. There. That was the uh, McGinnis stat. They're non-offensive touchdowns. I think they were third in the country. Right. With like Which is, comes back to the defense and what they want to do. They want they want to turn the game into basketball on grass. They want to turn it into a shootout. Mm-hmm. The key for Kentucky is establishing that run, get that defense tired. Yep. Ball security. Physicality in the trenches. Right. The strength of the team is the strength, strength. Adam Luckett. Strength of the team is a strength. Yes. That's the coach speak for you. The strength of the team is the team, too. And then on defense, I think it really comes down to playing discipline, gap sound football, yes. stay in your gaps. Especially in that front side. Because they should be able to completely own mm-hmm. them. Like Kobach, he's fast enough to, to break some big runs, but they should completely own them inside. It's a matter of not letting that quarterback – Get out and make some kind right. of crazy Which play comes down with to an inexperienced secondary who, when they they head north or mm-hmm. south on those scrambles, that they just get in trouble because discipline, they get caught looking at the quarterback. Discipline in the rush lanes, not only in, you know on runs, it's discipline on the pass too. Not getting too over like Jordan Wright when he gets in there. Yeah. Do not just scream upfield <laughs> trying to get a sack because it's going to create you know a big lane. Right, right. So and then it's. The safeties are going to have growing – or say, no, the secondary in general yeah. is going to have growing pains. Let's not have some monster growing pains in this game. Exactly. Let's take it take it slow. Mm-hmm. It just – if you give up something big, make it be where, you know, you could at least keep everything in front or it's something not – that's going to, you know, be a back-breaking type play. So the cast covering. I pulled up a stat. Since Eddie Grand arrived, Kentucky's played six G5 teams – Kentucky is 0 and 6 against the spread. Yeah, don't do it. Don't don't bet it. Just so they're 5 and 1 <laughs> straight up. The only loss to Southern Miss. Yeah. And then Mark Stoops has a favorite is something to tra- it's like 6 and 18 I think in that time. Don't. So everything about me tells I think I I know this over is going to go over. I feel pretty damn Even good at about 61? It. Even at 61. I know it's growing. Man. I really like it. I think Kentucky's going to come out here and score 40 plus points and I think Toledo's going to they're going to get points because I think mm. I think that highly of their their coach. Right, man. I, well, I, I like the Toledo analysis, but it's not the only big game on Saturday. It's the biggest game for us, 
But there are a ton of big other big games in the opening weekend. Just of college like sixty-two football. now. It's total sixty-two. It's, it's growing 61 fast. Sixty-one like three hours ago. I know it was fifty-nine, I believe, last week. So it's growing fast. So get over that while you can. Uh, my dog Wobby, she wants to bet the over too. You want the over, Wobby? Yes, you do. <laughs> she wants to bet the over. She wants points. Oh yeah, she wants to points. Um, but uh, I, I do want to touch on some other games. That's what we're gonna do each week. Is try to. We aren't going to give all our picks out or anything because that's what you need is more picks. No no podcast has ever picked college football games, but I do want to bring up just some of the best games of the weekend because I, as soon as this game's over, I'm going to be screaming back down I-64 to get back in front of my television. You and me both, brother. To watch some college football games. And uh, it's a full weekend, and a lot of the games aren't necessarily like Bohemoths one against another, but a lot of like NCAA tournament basketball kind of matchups. Like we've got the Mick Cronin Bowl. Yeah, UCLA is going to a lot of uh, it, Nippert Stadium. Like a lot of random non-conference matchups, like matchups you don't see. Yes. Boise State, Florida State, by the way, Northwestern Stanford is pretty cool. We just went to Cincinnati this summer, and we got a chance to walk through like their campus. And it's, we looked their at the campus is cool, man. It's, it was. It's in a very crappy it, part of town. Yeah. Apparently, they're getting it better. Yeah. But like that, I, that stadium is really cool. I heard it was kind of a dump, but I know they just had a bunch of renovations. And the way it's built is, I mean, it's just kind of cool. It sits in a bowl. Yeah, like it sits at the bottom of a hill. I would imagine for like a big game, that would be a pretty cool place to watch a football game. And now they host. They're they host, only two and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. It's been floating around between two I, and a half. I three. don't. I just Chip Kelly sucks. Right. So, so like what? Well, that, that right there, Cincinnati <laughs> probably has the better roster. Yeah. It comes down to you know belief in Chip, like your or two belief in, in Fickle. And belief I, in Fickle. I, I think I believe in Fickle more. Um, UConn's also playing that night. I'm sure you want to watch that. But UCLA Cincinnati kicks off the slate seven o'clock. Uh, Pat McAfee's going to be in the broadcast for the brand. Um, also. On Thursday night, we've got the oh, the debut of the ACC Network. Clemson, Georgia Tech, bloodbath. I'm going to be like the thing is, is I don't I, we. It's not like we work at ESPN and get the privilege of watching the games that are like fast forward to where you can crunch them in like 20 minutes. But I would be fascinated to see just what Georgia Tech is like, like the transition from a triple option to a regular. Like it, it's it's from a pure. Nerdy, like how big a train wreck is going to be yes, running the regular and, and offense with triple option players. Exactly, yeah. like it's just it's going to be fascinating to watch it all unfold because their quarterback, dude, he put up some crazy numbers running the ball. So like I just I I'm just fascinated to to see how their season plays out because they if if they are even decent, like I think they're over under win totals like two and a half, mm-hmm. and they get four wins, they've recruited their asses off. Yeah, they have year. a top twenty five recruiting class right now. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, uh, there's a snooze fest at, on FS1 that night. Uh, Texas A&M opens up against the mighty Texas State. But that's really the only big games. And you get the uh, – what would what, you call Utah-BYU? What's that The called? Holy War. The Holy War is the nightcap at 10:15 following UCLA-Cincinnati. So you've got two solid ESPN games. Utah is the favorite in the Pac-12. So this will be your one chance to be like – to we we can completely have knee jerk reactions and judge the entire Pac twelve yeah. based on those one two game. fan bases hate each other and those teams beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. So if you like, if you're gonna be up late looking for nothing to do and you just like physical, hard nose football, oh. that's that's the game you need to watch. It's at BYU too. At, in Provo. Yeah. So uh, that actually could kind of come not down to the wire because BYU is not that good, but like 
it'll be a nasty little slugfest. Mm-hmm. Friday night, there's multiple ranked teams in action. Michigan State is hosting Tulsa at seven on FS1, and Wisconsin South Florida. I'm really like what Charlie Strong. What I, I I'm a big Charlie Strong fan from a pure like. What he did to Florida mm-hmm. was amazing, mm-hmm. and I like he is. Mark Stoops is Kentucky's version of Charlie Strong. Mm-hmm. It's just that Charlie got a quarterback quicker, so Texas came calling. Right, and I, I that hard nose. I'm a playing good defense kind of football. That's his brand, but he hasn't really established that at South Florida. How old do you think Charlie Strong is? He's much older than what he is. He, right, I mean, he was at Florida with Mullen and all of them. He's 59. He's 59 years old. Yeah, Dan Mullen's 47. He's 12 years older than – like, he is old for – he's getting old for a coach now. <laughs> oh, man. So, when you look at that league he's in, it's kind of all younger coaches. Yeah, he's an old man. And so, he had a decent first year with Quentin Flowers and them, and they really kind of crapped the bed last season. Mm-hmm. So, he's now he's got a new offensive coordinator. He's kind of, He feels like he's in no man's land right now because yeah. the South Florida fans are kind of – Ready for him to get out. They kind of want to I – th- I think they're building their own stadium, too. They're getting out of yeah, James. They're, they're Yeah, they're working that – I think that's like a long process. Right, right. So, it's kind of – he's in a weird spot right now, Charlie. Because, the thing is, though, is he's because playing he, Wisconsin, who's ranked, mm-hmm. but they're in that weird Big 12 West that like – Big 10 West, yeah. Big Yeah, sorry. Big 10 West where five teams can win it from Wisconsin to Purdue to Northwestern to Iowa, Minnesota. Yeah. Like, all, all of those teams – have a shot at winning. Right. Nebraska's the favorite, but I think they're terribly overrated. So, like, who knows? Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin's running back, is probably going to run for about 260 yards in that game. Yeah. Wisconsin really didn't have a quarterback. Did you watch uh, Wisconsin-Purdue last year, perchance? I did. I watched mo- – <laughs> It was the wildest. I think yeah. UK had a game that day, and then I got home. I was watching I watched at KS Bar. Yeah. yeah. I had to watch the end of it. Triple overtime. It, why yeah. Jeff didn't go for it in – in the third, second or third overtime, because they could not tackle Jonathan Taylor. I think the brand had Wisconsin laying points that game, so we had a little. I mean, Jonathan interest. Jonathan Taylor is like you said; he is going to get like two hundred fifty. Do you think he'll go to New York? If I mean, you think he's got a I shot do. at it? I think it's going to be Lawrence, Tua, Sam Ellinger, and him. They'll be the four. Texas has to win a ton of games, though, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. Ellinger, he's he's going to. Get that like thirty twenty club where he passes for thirty, runs for twenty. No. He's kind of, a, but he's America's I mean, sweetheart. He's still not on their level though. I think a lot of it will be just how back is Texas and how right. tight will they get. Right. Uh, but I'm staying up late at nine thirty to watch Purdue play at Nevada, just because that's another kind of random four versus thirteen or two team teams that love to throw the ball. So three could, versus fourteen, excuse yeah. me. And also. I'm excited for the Milton Wright show because I don't think it's going to be as good as the Rondell Moore show. I think it has the potential to bring just as many fireworks. Um, as far as the Saturday slate, you ain't missing much at noon when Kentucky's playing. Like I, You're missing absolutely nothing. Ole Miss-Memphis, is, which yeah. is kind of a big game for Matt Luke. It's also there. That's a pretty nasty rivalry, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Oxford I mean, is like an hour, I think, from Memphis. And, and, and they like, have a ton of Ole Miss fans that live in Memphis. When they scheduled that series, it was a – that was when Ole Miss was rocking and Hugh Freeze was cheating his ass mm-hmm. off. Um, and and, Memphis beat them. Yeah. And, I mean, they beat him two years ago, too, I think, right? Like Matt Luke's first year? I think – no, I think they, they – I think this is like a four-game series, and this is going to be the third game. First year, they went to Memphis with one of Ole Miss's good teams lost. They returned, I think, maybe Hugh Freeze's last year or Luke's first year to Oxford, and Memphis won. So, grudge match. Yeah. 
So that's at least going to be something if you're stuck at home. Oh, it'll be a rowdy atmosphere there television. in Liberty Bowl. Duke is playing Alabama at 3.30 in uh, – Good some, luck, Cut. Some, somebody, somebody tweeted at me like – no, it was John that texted the KRC. He said he's taking Duke in the 30 points, and I was just like, buddy. Alabama, Najee Harris suspended for the first half. Oh. Like they don't – I mean, <laughs> yes, their other running back did like break his ankle or something. Um, their troops, their stud, five-star true freshmen's out for the year. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, then you got North Carolina, South Carolina in that 3.30 slot. Yes, that'll be interesting. Because I I'm, I think Mac Brown can actually do something. Like with them. I don't know if it's right away. This but is I, a, would, I would love it. For Muschamp, this is just don't mess around. Don't, don't mess around and get beat here. Mm-hmm. Because if you get beat here with that schedule, things could take an ugly turn really, really exactly. quick. Like that's a must win. It's – it's rare that you get must-wins in week one when right. you're not a college football playoff contender, mm-hmm. but it's a must-win for South Even Carolina. Even at, like, Muschamp, I think because of his contract and how much South Carolina's invested in him, even if they went, like, three and nine, I don't think he would really be in trouble, be in, like, firing territory. Mm-hmm. But it's also you don't want to start what you think is going to be kind of a long season off like that and losing to a guy you're going to be, you know, butting heads with on the recruiting trail. There's a battle for the nerds in the middle of the day, too. Four o'clock on Fox. Northwestern is hosting. No, they're they're traveling to Palo Alto to play Stanford. There will be maybe ten thousand people that came. Gosh, because Stanford is not in school yet, and they're college home. football is not really big in Palo Alto. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> you don't say, Adam Luckett. Um, but I, I still, I'll probably end up betting that game. I love betting Northwestern football. It's it's my Achilles heel. I don't know what it is. The spreads are just always so damn enticing. And Hunter Johnson as a quarterback. Yeah, that's what we get to see. How good is he? Yeah, that Clemson transfer. Yeah. Who? Oh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence made him and uh, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, two great quarterbacks. Just like, eh, get the hell out of here, guys. Right. That's how you know that dude is an absolute freaking stud. The nightcap that I want to watch, but I'm probably going to be st- like, I'll probably just save it for like Sunday morning. Georgia Vanderbilt, because. There was a quote Kirby Smart had. He's exactly right. The Keyshawn Vaughn, Jared Pitney, Collagen Lips. Right. They, yeah. they might not play. That's what I want to see. Vanderbilt's offense. Do they have anything at all quarterback? And what can those three guys do against what should be a really good Georgia defense? Like, Georgia's going to win that game, win it comfortably. Yeah. But I think that's more of kind of a measuring stick for Vanderbilt. Let's let's see what can they, they have. Can they be competent enough? Right. Um, the one game that I just – it's a flip a coin. It's going to be just – for the lack of a better term, just batshit crazy. Boise State, Florida State. What the hell? Like, that is just – Oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> – Who knows what the hell is going to happen? We don't know. Me. Boise State is going to be Boise State. They've got a new quarterback, but they're going to be tough, physical, and they're going to fight you. In Florida State, like – What do you – like Who are you? Yeah, my question in that game, what happens if, like, Florida State gets down 14 nothing like they did last year in the opener to Virginia Tech? You know what they're going to keep? What happens if they're going to keep throwing it? If James Blackman (laughs) Blackman comes in and throws a pick six first possession, or he gets strip sacked. So I think what makes Florida State just even more intriguing the fact that what happened last year and how awful they were. They brought in Kendall Browse, our Browse's kid, who was at FAU with. uh, He was at FAU and then he was at Houston last year. Yeah. So they're going to just try slinging it all over the place. And I think they have the receivers to do it. So that that's what could make this game like the and in sloppy theor- good mess that kind of Miami Florida was. And their offensive line is awful, but in theory it should spread the field and create running lanes for 
Cam Akers, who we really haven't get to see how good he was. Five star recruit. Yeah, he and was. He, just had, he was a beast on yeah. the, as a recruit. Yeah, he was like a huge recruiting win. We just they just been awful on the offensive line. We haven't seen him the, be really utilized yet. Uh, before we talk about the game tonight, I think su- Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Sunday should be fun. Dana Holgerson's debut at Houston versus Oklahoma. Derek King versus Jalen Hurts. What's man? I'm let me scroll down to see the over under on that game because it's sh- in the 80s. <laughs> I think it's at 82. It uh, might have gone down. I think it got up to 82. 82. It's at 82 okay. right now. Just God, that's going to be fun. And I think the over under in Louisville, Notre Dame, 54. I guess they think Louisville's going to tackle. <laughs> so. I think it's more of that Louisville probably is going to try really, really hard after not covering 11 straight games. <laughs> uh, but I uh, – Yeah, I'm just interested to see what Louisville looks like. Because like, well, like, they're going to try. Right. They have to. They've reached a point like where – It's past – what is he as a quarterback now after Satterfield's kind of got his fingerprints on him? Louisville's running a defense where they're they're saying to hell with size, let's just get as much speed out there as possible, kind of like what Toledo does. They haven't had, they don't have size. Yeah. So what do they do? Can't play. You know, do they just get bowled over on both lines of scrimmage against Notre Dame, or is their offensive line, who I think they're starting five, is respectable, but if they have any injuries at all, it could just crater. So right. So what what is Louisville? We're going to find out. I think Notre Dame is going to be. You know, a good team. And not what's, great. what's weird is that their last Louisville's best game last year was against Alabama. So like Louisville, I mean, first game Scott Satterfield. It's the fullest stadium those guys have played in two years at least. Right. So they're in a place. Yeah, and I'm interested football. to see the crowd. What the crowd's like. I know there's gonna be a lot of Notre Dame fans there, but yeah, I might little, I might go if the, the tickets are cheap enough in parking lot. I might go because as you know, we're right down the street from there. I guess. Yeah. Hop, skip, and a jump away. Yeah, them birds from the Rouse compound. Yeah, it's not that far. And whenever else am I going to be able to watch Notre Dame play at Louisville? And it's not during a UK game. You know? I heard an interesting take your co-host had this week. Yeah, what was that? What did he say? That Louisville fans should be pissed at Petrino for ruining this moment. They should. <laughs> I mean, because this low key is like a. Uh, this is the biggest. With team. Petrino's first year, they won at Notre Dame, and that was freaking. Huge. Reggie Bonifant. They yeah. had twenty, thirty thousand fans go up there for that game because of course Louisville's this huge Catholic community. Right. So now they they've been building up to this game for a long time with the stadium expansion. And then now it's just kind of a wet fart of a game. It's just yeah. like, well We're gonna let's get, go let's go get lose. Get let's hope so. let's hope for a moral victory. Poor guys. Yeah, poor guys. Um but what are you most excited for this weekend, Roush? Your first full weekend of college football in the 2019 season. I'm excited to sit my rear in the couch and have multiple TVs going. Like that just – just put that right in the veins right there, folks. I just – I'm excited for that because the Saturday night game between Auburn and Oregon is another kind of – It's a huge game for Oregon in the Pac-12. Yeah, because the Pac-12 needs some respect – but like Auburn, this is a huge game for Gus Malzahn, who had to he did the whole contract restructuring thing, but they finished with the bowl win, so like are they ready to roll? I I, I selfishly for SEC purposes love just smacking other teams around. But it would be nice if the Pac twelve had some sort of respect. And Justin Herbert is gonna be a top ten pick at worst. At least, yeah. Yeah. So like dudes, I mean he's a six six guy who's 
He has like a 30-game touchdown passing streak, something just ridiculous. So I, I'm just – I'm ready to get football back. I'm tired of writing preview stories about Kentucky football. I, I want to – and I think most importantly is I, I really want – I'm really excited for fans to see what I've been seeing on the practice field for a long time because I, I, I know – what Lynn Bowden can do. New, it's a new look offense. I know what Terry Wilson can do. I don't expect him to throw it 35 times. But I expect him to to look just much more competent in the passing game. And I think I think a lot of it that we didn't that we underestimated last year, Wayne Young at left tackle. At just getting that dude back. I mean, he was a five star recruit they, for they had six. A re- kind of a revolving door at left tackle. They played EJ Price, the Sear Watkins, Darian Kennard. Yeah, that's huge. All there. And I mean, Terry took some bad sacks. Don't get me wrong. But remember the Louisville game when Louisville just, they don't have a pass rush. So Terry just sat back and picked him apart all day. Just affording him some time to deliver a pass and to, for Lynn Bowden to be able to get open. I'm just I'm excited for fans to get to see this product on the field because even though they lost a lot, this team's gonna be good. Think so. Let's let's get let's see them get off to a hot start. Let's be nice to break that little G5 against the spread streak they got going. Great. And just just to score a lot of points right. too. And score some put some points on the board, and then get ready for a scrappy week two Eastern Michigan team, and then Florida. It's a game everybody's looking forward to. Week three, oh, really? sellout. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Kentucky just needs to get there. 2-0. and And let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. We've rocked and rolled for almost too long, and we appreciate you jamming with us. It's going to be a fantastic weekend of college football. We'll see you on the gridiron. Thanks for listening to 11 Personnel.